The year is 1925. The KKK is alive and thriving in American culture and politics, drawing people to their cause, draped in Christianity and protecting American values. Beneath the surface, the same ugly racist and xenophobic goals remained. To promote racial superiority, a group of Klansmen in Kansas set up a game against a local all-black professional baseball squad. Would racism and divisiveness win the day? Or would a game of baseball show the local community and the country at large how racial superiority is the hoax that it really is? Find out what happened today on Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. I am, as always, your host, Jeff Lambert. Well, here we are. We are in July. Life hasn't changed, but yet it seems to have in so many ways. Uh, We're still under quarantine. We're still dealing as a society with trying to figure out how to move forward. And yet, life just goes on. And you know, it's nerve wracking to think about what's going to happen, not only as baseball fans and thinking about how, you know, the season coming up is going to take shape and who's going to participate and, you know, what baseball is going to look like in the future, but just also as people, as humans, thinking about our families, our communities, everything. It's just a lot to take in. So I hope this podcast brings you some measure of enjoyment during your day, a way to just de, you know, to, to disconnect and be able to enjoy something outside of the anxiety. I think that life is bringing a lot right now. So today I have a really interesting episode I'm so excited to discuss with you about. Uh, It's been pretty well covered in several news stories, especially in the past few months. But, uh, you know, I did some digging and I think I put together a pretty, pretty good overview of an event in American history that certainly doesn't get enough attention. But I think this story also shows how much of a role baseball plays in reflecting our culture uh, during different time periods. And baseball was used as a vehicle in this episode to try and promote something that is horrible. But yet the right uh, result came out of it. And so I hope you enjoy this topic. You know, again, thanks for listening to the show. If you have a minute when you're done. If you enjoyed it, just go ahead and leave a review on the podcast app of choice. That always helps me be able to get in front of uh, new listeners and fans. And if you have a baseball fan in your life who's just crawling up the walls waiting for the season to start, share this podcast with them. Hopefully it can bring them some enjoyment. Well, with that said, let's get to today's episode. Before I begin, just a quick note to my listeners, I'm going to be using some outdated terms for African Americans when I'm reading quotes during this episode. It is not my goal to glorify these terms. I'm just trying to reflect the attitude and mood of the time that we are discussing. Please, please do not use or glorify these terms on account of my using them in this episode. 
We all deserve to be treated with dignity and without terms that cause hurt or pain. Baseball in the 1920s was enjoying a golden age. The dead ball era was coming to a close, and you had stars like Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb really capturing the public's daily attention. Every town and church had a baseball team. It was what you did for a sporting activity. So it's natural to see why baseball became wrapped in another social movement that was also hitting a disturbing high note in the 1920s. And this was the popularity of the Ku Klux Klan. Now, how popular was the Klan during the 1920s? Well, it's estimated that national membership was as high as four or five million by 1925. And in some accounts, I read as high as six million. Um, it's hard to get an exact count on that, but you can see the scope of people who openly supported this group. Time Magazine, which we're all familiar with, even though print magazines are becoming a thing of the past, uh, they ran a feature story in 1925 about the Klan's imperial wizard, uh, a guy named Hiram Wesley Evans, and they featured him on the cover in his robes. We had hundreds of members of Congress that were openly associated or members of this group. And it was even worse in state and local government. The country's president, Calvin Coolidge, he was strongly rumored to be a member of the Klan. And I'm going to include an article in the show notes that show both sides of that argument because there's not definitive proof. But it is evident that he was at least accepting to their cause. He even marched in an event that the Klan organized in Washington, D.C. In 1924, Congress passed the Immigration Act of 1924, which restricted groups that the Klan targeted, greatly cut down on immigration to the United States, especially for groups that the Klan deemed as uh, inferior or un-American. The Klan of the 1900s preached a message that was really America for Americans, almost an America first message with the same white superiority focus lying underneath. Now, William Joseph Simmons, who was the founder and the leader of the rebranded KKK, which emerged in the early 1900s, he said, and I quote, the goal of the KKK was that we believe in the exclusion of the yellow race and in the disenfranchisement of the Negro. It was God's act to make the white race superior to all others, end quote. So this was the America that we saw this baseball game take place between the KKK and a professional African-American squad come together in. So you may be asking yourself, what led to such a matchup even taking place? Well, there were reasons that both sides had for agreeing to this match. Let's start off with the Klan. For them, it was a chance to stage a publicity event, and they could use America's game as a way to prove the superiority of true Americans or what they were promoting as true Americans. In Kansas, uh, where the game was going to take place, this, this occurred in Kansas, the local Klan chapter was trying to find more positive ways to be able to preach their message, to kind of wrap it in this candy coating. Uh, to, to get people to, to buy into it without leading off with the hateful rhetoric, of course, that they eventually lead to. 
So they were going for this kind of community-focused approach, and there was a reason why they were doing that. See, the state's governor at the time, a gentleman by the name of Henry Justin Allen, he was very staunchly anti-KKK, which, as we talked about, was not a given during this time period. But he had launched a full-on initiative to get the group out of his state. Now, at the same time as he's trying to get the KKK out, the state Supreme Court banned the KKK from officially operating because they didn't have an approved state charter. Now, you may be asking, well, how did this game take place if the state Supreme Court in Kansas ruled that the KKK was was banned? Well, the reason was is that they began an appeal process. And during the appeal process, they were still allowed to be able to uh, run as they normally would. So this is why events continued for the KKK. But during this time where you see uh, the, well, across the country, but especially in the, K, uh, the KKK there, trying to put on this kind of um, positive, I guess you could say, community engagement uh, to bring people into their group, they would do certain things like hosting parades down Main Street with American flags everywhere, or they would sponsor community events with food and games you know, brought to you by your local KKK chapter. Um, They even held beauty pageants in towns across the state. They would donate money to local churches and hospitals and schools and just try and put on that facade of this being a social organization about promoting our communities and promoting American society with, of course, the underlying goals still being there. A little bait and switch, I guess you could say. So as a way to be able to put on another community event, the Klan heard that there was a pro baseball team of African-Americans who were from Wichita, and they were looking for games to play. So they jumped at this chance to host another event. And I think as an underlying goal, of course, would be to dog whistle this idea of white superiority when they won the match, because naturally, I assume they, they thought that they were going to win this. So that was the KKK's motivation for sponsoring this game with an African-American squad. Now, why did the African-American squad agree to playing in this game? Well, the name of that squad, they were known as the Monrovians, and they had been part of a regional league known as the Colored Western League, and they were good. They were a very good squad. While they were part of this league, they had won the pennant in 1922, and they had quickly built a reputation amongst other teams that they played for being a top talent squad in the area. Their record that season in 1922 was estimated to be 52 and 8. Stats are a little bit spotty when it comes to these regional leagues, but that's the estimate. Now, the league folded in 1923, but of course, the group wanted to keep playing, and it was a means of income for them as well, not only just a, you know, a social construct as well. So they kept on as an independent squad, and they would play other teams in front of paying audiences. So they would travel to stadiums and play another team, and the teams would split the the profits from the people that showed up to play. And they did well playing this style of baseball as an independent traveling team. In fact, they even maintained their own ballpark in downtown Wichita to play their games. They would regularly donate some of their earnings to local charities, such as orphanages. And, you know, for a squad of African-American ballplayers in a city, which is Wichita, Kansas, where there are only 5,000 African-Americans out of a total of 70,000 residents, there must have been the thought that this game could be another chance 
to put equality at the forefront by using baseball as the vehicle. So after some negotiations went back and forth about splitting the earnings and setting some basic ground rules, it was settled. The local chapter of the KKK was going to face off against the Monrovians. So what happened at this game? Stay with me during the seventh inning stretch, and I will tell you more. And welcome back, everybody. Let's continue on with our story about this game between the KKK and an all-African-American baseball squad. So on June 21, 1925, near Wichita, Kansas, we have the Monrovians show up to face off against the local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan in a full exhibition game. Now, the event was held at a place called Island Park, which was a 5,000-seat stadium. The park itself was pretty impressive, and I'm going to post some notes on social media if you'd like to see what this looks like. Uh, The park sat on top of a sandbar in between two rivers, and the park had bridges from either side of both rivers going into the stadium. It hosted several big regional baseball games and events up until about the 1930s, and then the park burned down. There were some attempts to rebuild the park, but during the Great Depression, The sandbar was removed, actually, by the Works Progress Administration, which was trying to update the area, you know, allow for for better utilities to be able to come in, et cetera, et cetera. So the sandbar was removed, and there's really no other traces of this park left for us to see today, at least not that I am aware of. There may be a marker. I wasn't able to find any uh, information. If I have any listeners from Kansas who can give me some information on that, please send me an email or... uh, Uh, let me know so I can share that. So here we have a game held at Island Park. The the seats are obviously packed. Everybody's ready to see what's going to happen. And there were some steps that were taken by the local KKK to try and, uh, you know, make the game family friendly. For instance, the sale of alcohol was banned for the event, which led to the Wichita Beacon newspaper running a headline, quote, only baseball is on tap at Island Park, end quote. There were rules for conduct that were posted in newspapers and on the stadium before the event, and they included specific uh, rules that you wouldn't think need to be said, but I can see, obviously, in the climate of of what's going to take place here. Um, So, for example, some rules that were uh, quoted as being there, uh, quote, strangleholds, razors, horsewhips, and other violent implements of argument will be barred. I also saw on an article that bats used in the shape of crosses would be banned from being used. So I I guess any KK member that had a bat shaped like a cross couldn't use it. I guess that was a thing back then. But um, all those things were barred to try and keep a family-friendly event. In addition to that, the KKK was very, very focused on trying to show themselves as an upright organization, as we mentioned. They're under appeal by the state Supreme Court. They're trying to show their family-friendly style and that they are, you know, uh, on the up and up, I guess you could say. So to show that the game would be umpired fairly, the Klan selected Irish Catholic individuals to oversee the game. Now, why did they do this? Well, everybody during this time, and if you're familiar with the history of the KKK, the Klan hated Irish and Catholics almost as much as African-Americans. 
So by taking this step of bringing Irish Catholics in to umpire the game, they were trying to show the public at large that the game would be overseen by fair and independent people. That would be the goal. Now, Wichita resident and historian Bob Rivas was quoted in an excellent article from The Nation, which I'm going to put in the show notes, uh, that he thought that there was another maybe more sinister reason why the Klan chose Catholic umpires. He said, and I quote, I think the Klan was fearful that it would lose. And if it lost, it would be considered inferior to the black team. And so they announced in advance that the two umpires would be Irish Catholics. The Klan in Kansas was then at least as anti-Catholic as anti-black. And my opinion is that they were paving the way to be able to say, well, we didn't really lose. Look who the umpires were, end quote. So there you have it. That is the, the foundation that was set up for this game to be able to be played. And the teams assembled in front of the sold-out crowd to play one another. Now, this is, you know, this is where you know, I'm a little bit sad because I wish, I wish, wish, wish I could hop in a time machine and go back and just take notes of this game and come back and be able to share with you some of the highlights of what happened. But there is no play-by-play uh, record that survived of this game, unfortunately. The specific events have been lost to history. We do know some things, though. We know that the Monrovians did indeed defeat the KKK by a score of 10 to 8. Newspapers reported that the game was a, quote, seesaw battle and a, quote, pitcher's duel from start to finish. So it sounds like it was an exciting affair. But the, the, the end game, the, the end result of the game was that the Monrovians did indeed triumph over the KKK. The Monrovians continued to play independent games for years after this event. And some of their players even ended up signing on with the Kansas City Monarchs in the Negro Leagues. And their accomplishment just really deserves remembrance because it did make a difference. See, racism may have lost that day. And for a moment, baseball was used to show superiority isn't determined by the color of your skin or by the place that you're born or by the religion that you practice. On a positive note, just two years after this game was played, the KKK was officially banned from the state of Kansas. But we know that's not the end of the story when it comes to racism, because it still lives in our communities, it lives in our government, it lives in our sports. So how do we proceed? I think in short, we need to do it together. One thing that we're not doing enough is listening. And I think we need to listen more and we need to hold each other up and we need to fight injustice faced by any of us because each of us matter. Thanks for tuning into today's episode, everybody. And remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. Mm-hmm.